0: It's time now for the Jack Michaels show on 740 The Fan and 740TheFan.com. To phone in, call 237 3767, 1 458 6926, or you can text short code to 35270.
1: Ah, uh, good afternoon, Derek Hanson, Brad Anderson with you in for Jack Michaels on this beautiful Tuesday, and it's kind of a thing where. Enjoy it because we may not see this for a while, right? I might uh, this afternoon, I might be sitting in uh, my truck with the sunroof right open and all that. Because Brad, uh, yeah, it's
2: gonna 24 hours, but I might be less than that 12 hours <laughs> yeah. from now. I mean, I'm guessing people are gonna nippy. be
1: grilling, they're gonna be enjoying
2: this. Uh, coming up to this you know, might be it. Yeah, I'm looking at the long the long range forecast here, and highs 40s and 50s, which mm-hmm. I guess is kind of normal, par for the course in October. But you do get, you do get the 60. You know, we kind of get a little bit of the Indian summer from time to time. And mm-hmm. and uh, I look at it as as someone who is in press boxes and maybe outside of press boxes on Fridays and Saturdays, we could use a little rain, but there is not much in the forecast. But uh, that uh, that I can handle. 45 and 50, and but if we start getting colder than that... Well, I think for the people who are nuts. trying to... Uh, I,
1: I even talked to people who are doing the beet harvest and all that, and yes. so this is a little too warm for them right now. So right. they're shut down, which is unfortunate about that. So they'll probably shift to beans and corn if their corn's dry enough, what have you. But so they're probably listening and going, okay, let's maybe a little bit of rain, they said, wouldn't be all that bad because it's so dry out there right now. But, well, and uh, I
2: look at it too, and I know... Um, but you look at if we have a dry fall... And you know in snowfall you get a little bit of you know water you know water that uh, comes out of that, but it might be a dry spring it might start off as a dry spring next yep. spring it's kind of looking uh, looking farther ahead, yeah.
1: Well, you know me and Snowfall. I mean, last year I didn't mind it because the lakes are so down, and then it went up way so fast, and now <laughs> you we know, going get, get a Goldilocks thing. It would be uh,
2: kind of nice can't here. Find the happy medium there, yes.
1: Mike Grimm's going to join us. He uh, is the play-by-play voice for Golden Gopher Athletics. He'll be on 1019 Jack FM coming up on Saturday morning, a big tilt in the Western Division with the Gophers taking on Illinois after a week off after a very disappointing loss to Purdue, so we'll chat with him about that. We're obviously going to talk a lot about uh, throughout the week the Vikings at the Dolphins, and well, it's the Dakota Marker game. So I think you know Bubba Schreiger heard him a little bit last night at UND. A very good road win at Youngstown State. He can take the week off. They can get a little healthy, and they can watch you know the two of the rival schools, the Missouri Valley Football Conference, number one and number two in the nation, beat up on each other. And I think that's. That's kind of a nice setup right now for the University of North Dakota. Oh,
2: very much so. I think that win, they're four and two, and and I always tell Jackie that magic number of seven to try and get into the playoffs, and that was the one. There was kind of one of those tweener games that they needed to get, and they got it. Um, now you got uh, you got you got a bye week. You if you got some nicks and bruises, they get healthy, and i was kind of curious what. Um, and uh, we'll take tax three five two seven zero. You can give us a call. Um, just kind of what the feeling is with the bison it's um you know it just kind of lives I was up at Matt Entz's press conference yesterday and um you know I I think there's there's definitely some frustration because he just he knows there's more potential there and he's you know and it's up to he and the coaching staff to try and get it out of him and we'll hear some comments here from the coach here uh uh, if we get some time later on in the program actually we can do it here the next few minutes but I'm just kind of curious with bison fans are where do you I mean they're still five and one? They're still number one in the country. They lost to an FBS school, Yep, you yep. lost to an FBS school that played very well against you. And same thing with the Jackrabbits, they're five and one. They didn't exactly, they've started slow against South Dakota, but defensively, they have been really good. I yep. mean, and that was on display, even you know, even even with an offense that is as inept as Iowa has shown to be, you know, but South Dakota State, but they still had, stopped them. Yeah, yeah. As they yeah.
1: said they held them in what seven points. The defense won the game for them, and special teams essentially. So, yeah, yeah it's. No, I mean you know what you're up against, and, and you see James Madison get into the top 25 as quick as they did. You know that the, the top tier of them can play mm-hmm. in the FBS. I mean we, we've known that for a while with a lot of these games. I, I think if you want to look at the glasses half full, you turn the ball over four times and still beat Indiana State, you know, when you, and that's not easy to do. Turn the ball over that many times and still winning a football but game.
2: I think that's what I think that's what maybe concerns Bison fans. They're seeing some turnovers. Yes, and you got to um, stop that. He cleaned it up. It's a different yeah, game. You know, defensively, I know there's they've linebacker has been kind of up and down at times and they've gotten beat occasionally on trunk plays, but you know, that's, that's going to happen from time to time. But I am just kind of curious is like, you know, you feel like, yeah, we're still all right. We're five and one, or are there some red flags there? And, and I guess we'll maybe find out And South Dakota state's played well in the dome. I mean, they've, they've been probably the one team that has been able in the to regular in season. <laughs> inconsistently. And that's the other, well, I was getting to my next point too with South Dakota state is yes. If you win in October, but there's still that incomplete grade with the Jacks once you get into playoff. Time. Yeah. And, and I will, th- I'll give them a little credit for the spring season of 21, but I'm not going to give you full credit on
1: that. Well, yeah, that was so quirky in many different ways. You're, you're hundred percent right on that, but it's, you know, they were there they didn't have to face the bison <laughs> you know that was and they just have that uh playoff bugaboo against north dakota state and that is uh, that's something i think well, is haunting not even, not even
2: sure. just the bison but i mean james madison and true. what they did at montana state i mean yeah they have they've not been been able to come up and win a game in december but they haven't won games in december that they needed to against teams not named north dakota state. that's true well, and they get home playoff games, and they're just not sold out either, I and mean,
1: that's a little frustrating, you know, I mean, that mm-hmm. type of thing, and that, so I think that's one thing that really it gets to them. So it's going to be interesting to see how these teams come out. You know, the injury bug has hit the bias in a little bit. I think that has concerned a lot of fans, and I think that that's what you're looking at going into this game coming up on Saturday afternoon. So we'll touch on that. It did bring up, and I, I know you saw this too, a lot of talk about, oh, look, James Madison's is the top 25, and you know, yes. people are going, and that gets that good. That group that salivates over going to the FBS from North Dakota State because the games are too boring because the thing about a game on Saturday is you really can't win if you're NDSU's athletic department, right? You're not winning by enough and you're struggling. So... You're mad at them for that, but then if you win by too much, the games are boring, and we're leaving at the third quarter, right? I mean, you just, what what more can you do? I mean, I, I, for me, it just shows that everyone's trying to keep with you. It shows you how the top of the FCS can compete with the lower tier of the FBS. What James Madison doing is doing, and you know what? They're not going to go to Frisco. They get to go to the Boca Raton Bowl. Well, they might go to Frisco in the Smoothie Tropical Bowl that's in Frisco. I mean, you know, what I'm getting at, Brad. I mean, no, I, I, what, I I understand. What What is your because the Conference USA rumors were starting. Okay, let's say that ADSU goes to Conference USA on their own and the Jacks don't come with them the way that the Jacks came with them when they went to them. Is Charlotte coming here going to excite you any more than South Dakota State or Northern Iowa or even UND at the end of the year with that matchup? I mean, I know you, a lot of fans want to be in a different division of UND to say that they have that over their head. But, you know, does Rice, I mean, Tommy Kramer's not playing there anymore. FAU does that? If you pound on those teams, guess what? You're still going to be le- le- leaving at the third quarter. Yeah, I just and I don't think they have the resources that NDSU puts in their football program.
2: Well, and like I guess I did the story. It came out last Friday. But Kennesaw State, uh, the story came out that uh, they might be the tenth member of Conference USA. And I think there's probably some people that follow the Bison and follow FCS football and say. Well, they haven't been in FCS that long. However, they, you know, obviously geography is a big part of it. Geography is huge. You know, and that's the one thing, that's the one strike against NDSU. It's just just geographically. It doesn't, uh, there's nothing that makes sense. Well, you think FIU
1: and FAU want to fly to Fargo in November to have conference football games? I, I, I would think not. And that's, and, you know, it doesn't matter if it's the Mountain West or whatever. It's just, it's, it's not a place that's desirable for San Jose State or San Diego State the either.
2: More and more, I look at it, just the quality of play as the whole body of work in the Mountain West. You really want to go there? No, I don't. I mean, you had Colorado, Colorado State. Colorado State's horrible. And, and, and that's and, just one team. Incarnate so. word killed
1: Nevada. Mm-hmm. <laughs> I, mean, I mean, just. And Utah State, I mean, it just it was Utah State. None, nonetheless, I mean, and-
2: Wyoming would be fun, obviously, with, the, with with the Craig Bull connection. Well, there's and a tie in there, yeah, yeah. But other than that, is there a lot of teams you'd want to you, face? You would want to you would to, to play Hawaii to go to
1: Hawaii. That'd sure. be about it. Sure. I mean, that's.
2: I I don't think there's
1: anything appealing about that bottom tier, of the FBS. I just don't understand the fascination of going to some meaningless bowl game the week of Christmas. I, I, it doesn't make any sense to me. Yeah. When you have all these playoff games at the Fargo Dome, I know bar owners in the North side of Fargo, they really don't want to go to the FBS. They got all these built-in weekends. Of, you got
2: those three weekends, <laughs> it, it, at least yeah, at least two for sure, if not three, where it's going to be, especially if you get that Friday night game in the mm-hmm. semifinal. Oh, yeah, that's, uh, you can make some serious quick bucks in that uh They, they, that are,
1: they are significantly against going up yeah. to the FBS for that reason and that reason alone. So. Uh, that's very true.
2: Uh, Texture coming in, this was a topic I wanted to hit, so, uh, so thank you, Texter, because uh, I was thinking about this driving to work because I'm driving to work, I drop my kid off at school, I'm kind of, kind of things going through my mind for the day, and I was watching while well, I was listening and then watching the Monday night game last night. Had the has did the NFL overcorrect since the Tua debacle with roughing the passer? And I was wondering, is there a way to tie in those two oh, together? I can't
1: think of that. You know, I'm still going back to 2018 after the, you know, cuz it's the Anthony barr Aaron Rodgers rule essentially, right? And we started having this in 2018 when Clay Matthews got flagged in on that In
2: some ways, yes.
1: Cuz Clay, Clay Matthews, I'm saying this as a Viking fan, that was a bogus roughing the passer call on Kirk Cousins that made it into an overtime tie game. Correct? I mean, that was a bad call. I can say that as a Viking fan. That was a bad call, but there was a few others during that game, if I remember right. And, of course, Daniel Carlson, we know the rest. Yeah, as he's hitting a 53-yard field goal yesterday, I'm thinking, way to go, Zimmer. Wait, wait. wait." (laughs) (laughs) I I thought of that last day. When he drilled that between the uprights, I'm going, oh, great. He hasn't missed
2: since, has he? Uh, Yeah,
1: exactly.
2: But (laughs) That last miss was in Green Bay like four years ago.
1: But it seems like we kind of got back to normal a little bit the past couple years, and you might be – I didn't even think of that tie-in with Tua and how bad the NFL looks and how bad the Dolphins. Because I was
2: thinking about, it, is that really? It goes, that's ah, a stretch. And I got thinking about it,
1: is it really? No, I, that's a that's a good that's a good thought. I, I didn't even think of that. But we, it's it's a huge overcorrection because it's one thing if we're talking about you know protecting Tom Brady. This is Derek Carr we're talking about here, right? This is not this is not the goat that we're talking about protecting, or even Aaron Rodgers, who's on that upper r- rung of you know the top ten of all time. We are looking at Derek Carr, who is good but not great by any means. That's we we can't we got to let the guys get tackled. There's still players on the football field, and that was just a simple tackle. Tom Brady got tackled, and he got and the defender got flagged for it. We can't have that <laughs> in the NFL.
2: I was hoping, we were hoping we get Dick Bramer on one final time here before the, with the uh, do a little post mortem on the Twins, but uh, he had a tweet. He he shows the there's the highlight. Not only would the Purple People leaders not be able to play in today's NFL, they wouldn't want to play in today's NFL. <laughs> that is a great tweet Ex- by Excellent, Dick. That, that <laughs> was uh, – I think Dick Ray might have been the partial winner of Twitter last night. Yeah, that was very good. Hopefully we can get
1: him him on again sometimes. It's just going kind to of wrap up the baseball season. and whole, He was uh, busy today. So I'm not sure if we'll be able to get that done or not. But, yeah, it, it's, he has he's pretty good on Twitter, with Dick Brant. He, uh,
2: he has his moments. Yeah, yeah that's for sure. Very, uh, very dry one-liner there. Mm-hmm. Yeah, that is very true. I mean, you just think of those – God, you just watch those NFL films videos, 70s and 80s with the steel curtain and those fame defenses, Doomsday and some of those, and they said they would last five minutes in today's well, NFL. Well, I
1: mean, could Reggie White play in today's NFL? I'm being serious about that. The way he would squash quarterbacks, mm-hmm. my heavens! I mean, he, Howie Long,
2: some of those guys. Oh yeah. my,
1: yeah, Jerome Brown only is a lot. I mean, that, you know, that, the eighty-five Bears. Ooh, yeah, Richard Dent. He would have been kicked out a lot of games.
2: <laughs> Was it Wilbur Marshall, or Otis Wilson that just about killed Joe Ferguson? Well, I mean, in Detroit. Think about how
1: many roughing the passer calls that Keith Millard got under the old way of playing, right? I mean, right. let alone now, I mean, he'd be banned from the game for crying out loud. <laughs> right. I mean, they would look at him as one of the dirtiest players e- ever. Well, because we had our times with Chuck Cecil, remember him being head hunting. He would never be allowed to play more than two games in the NFL. Cause he, he got enough 15 yard penalties, taking guys heads off with his helmet, the helmet, well, even
2: Harrison Smith now in today's, today's he's game. had to change a lot. He's yeah. talked
1: about that a lot yeah. too. That's for sure. well, it's an overcorrection. They gotta fix it because it's a bad look. It, it is, and it, it, it. been one thing, I think the good thing that happened last night was that it happened with Derek Carr, not Patrick Mahomes, and then it would be really. Oh, you're just treating the stars. Cause you don't want to lose them, and that would turn into a whole different thing. But the fans don't like it. They don't want to see two hand touch football. They want to see. They don't want to see the quarterback get killed by a cheap hit. I mean, we don't need no. What was his face that? Uh, uh, slammed Jim McMahon to the ground. Uh, Charles Martin. Charles Martin for the Packers when he slammed the uh, uh, Jim McMahon to the ground. Um, we don't want to see that, but we also want to see the the quarterback needs to be tackled. I'm sorry, he just does. So that's part of the game. Hopefully, they can fix that. So,
2: so I guess that that would be the question. I'll throw out there textures. Anybody else? Is is there a happy medium in today's NFL? What you can, you know, what 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 is okay and what is not. Because I don't even think Brady
1: was flung to the ground. I think he just was tackled to the ground, mm-hmm. and, and that's there's a big distinction. I know what they mean by flinging him. I mean, if you're standing up and you do that, okay, that's different than if they pick you, you up when yeah. you're too, when you're grabbing around the waist and tackling like we were taught in Pop Warner football. For heaven's sakes, it doesn't. We can't have that. People don't want that, and we got we got to be a little bit careful about these things. I mean, it's just. I know they're trying to overemphasize that I'm sure in the referee meetings, right? Where they having Zoom meetings about these things. I'm sure it was brought up after the Tua situation, but you know, we just
2: <laughs> that was ridiculous. The other thing from last night's game was heck actually a very entertaining game. Sometimes we look at um we look at
1: uh, uh well, scores the scores and,
2: and things and we kind of look at, you know, is the NFL is it is it good? Is it just kind of parody and mediocre? That was a pretty entertaining game last night. Our coach is getting too analytical. Yes, I, I, that, when they decided to go for two with like four minutes left, and it's like, well, that made no sense at all. I could see if there's twenty seconds left, yeah, go for the win. Correct. But you're gonna get, the, yeah, you're on the road, go
1: for the win for two. I, I'm, you might get the ball I'm back. I'm Boise State versus Oklahoma on that all the time, right? I, that 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 I get. But no, I mean, if you get it, you're up by one. And Patrick Holmes is on the other side. You might have three more possessions by each team by that. <laughs> I
2: say, your chances of getting the ball back high.
1: Yeah, right. Yeah, I mean, I I don't get that at all. I mean, that's to the point where you almost want to let them score if it's thirty-one to thirty because mm-hmm. they're going to gum down the field methodically, if nothing else. That that was a really bizarre play. I that Josh McDaniels, maybe he's just an all-time uh, coordinator. Maybe that's what he has to stick with because that's a decision I don't understand whatsoever. And it's just too early in the game to go for two like that. I I don't get that. I, I, you know, and as far as going for two, I always question that even when the chart that they have out there says you should go for two here or there. I always have kind of thought not until the fourth quarter. I don't think you want to be chasing those points all the time. And I think that happened with the Bears a little bit on Sunday, too. You just you don't want to always be chasing that point when you get in there. You know that and. I actually had this conversation with Bob Babich when he was coaching the buys in a press conference because he went for two like in the second quarter. Mm-hmm. And I think he thought people were second guessing him. He brought it up at the press conference. And I remember, Jeff Kolpak and us were looking around like, what are you talking about? We never really. And I did say, well, maybe at the different point of the game, you maybe you don't always go for two. He goes, well, there was always. No, the... that's what the chart says. I said, well. Yeah, there was always the two point chart. But there is, but I don't know if I'd always go for two if it's like early in the third quarter, and you're chasing that point all the time.
2: I remember years ago, and uh, your friend David Moulton, when he was hosting a sports radio station in this town, always thought when if you were up one and you scored a touchdown, that you should go for two.
1: So you're not losing by a field goal.
2: Well, no, if you're ahead by one, so so if you're going up by seven, because if you get the two-point conversion, then you're up two scores. Mm -hmm. If you don't get it, you're still up seven. If the other team scores, chances are that it's going to kick anyway. Yeah. And I always thought that doesn't. I always thought ah, didn't Wade Phillips that do that one, one year sense. as a Cowboys but, but coach? The, I think. I think now more and more as we see coaches go for it on fourth down from just about anywhere in the field, and they're going for two at times where you didn't think in the past that they would do it. Um, I will rarely
1: second guess a coach that when they cross the fifty to go for it, especially if they have a good offense. Oh, and,
2: I would say, yeah, I you know maybe if you're going to play the field position game late in the game, right, that would be about the only time. But yeah, if they're if it's the early in the second quarter, and it's 4th and 4 in the 47? Why not?
1: Yeah, I, I don't disagree with you there. Mike Grimm's coming up here in just a bit, the voice of the Golden Gophers.
2: we got a caller. A caller who's talking about uh, kind of about the Vikings and the 3-4 defense. Go ahead, caller.
0: Yeah, say hi, guys. Hey, I'm just kind of wondering, you know, I've been watching the Vikings for a lot of years now, and I've never really understood the advantage to a 3-4 defense. Have, has anybody explained, you know, Pete Bursich or Ben Lieber, the pros and cons to running the
1: 3-4 over the 4-3? I think it's a personnel thing more than anything, because if you have a outside linebackers that can rush the passer, I mean, it's all about Lawrence Taylor, right? So if you have a <laughs> – it started with Lawrence Taylor, and then you had these outside linebackers that kind of played that way, and Lawrence could go match up with a tight end. And tight ends are, are now a little different than they were in – the 80s right to I me mean, they looked more like mark bravaro sure. in the 80s more than they look like you know what gronk is and many other guys so i don't right. th- i don't know if you keep up with those guys anymore but if you have that guy on the edge who can do something like that and then you have a defensive end who's kind of more like a defensive tackle almost kind of eating up space then it kind of works out with your speed on the outside and closing on the run. I mean, the Vikings have always struggled against three, four teams back in, you know, the Zimmer and Childress era for whatever reason. And so it, it, if you have a big nose tackle like a Vince Wilfork, man, you're really eating up a lot of... And, like the old Pat Williams. Yeah, yeah. and Harrison Phillips working. is kind of doing that. But so it kind of depends on my personnel more than anything else. I think that's where Daniel Hunter, he had a nice sack on Sunday, but at times it seems like he's not really fitting into this because he's kind of a tween to me, of a defensive end on a 3-4 compared to outside linebacker. To me, he's just a straight-up 4-3 guy, and that's going to be interesting to see but, how they go forward with him.
0: But three through five games, doesn't it seem like we're playing some kind of soft zone? And we're, Yes.
2: Shell know, coverage.
0: Teams just methodically move down the field on us. It just doesn't seem to be working.
1: Well, I think what's well, ha- happening more than anything is you end up playing so much nickel; it just ends up being a three-three-five for most of these teams anyway, because there's three wide receivers or a athletic tight end out there, so it doesn't really matter. And that's what you're kind of seeing. And the safeties are playing so far back; it almost looks like a, a Tony Dungy or a Leslie Frazier cover two, and and everything up. I mean, the the, the pass against. The Saints, is the, at the end of the game, was the prime example, right? I mean, the fact that you're letting them right. have that much space and they're doing that in the game, right. middle, anything over the middle is open. It drives me crazy.
0: And it seemed like with Justin Fields, statistically, he's the worst quarterback in the NFL, starting quarterback. He had beautiful pockets all day long.
1: Mm-hmm. Yeah, he was clean. No, it just doesn't make sense. But. Well, he's clean, and then no. Zadarius Smith had no chance, you know, trying to catch up with him, and he could juke him out of the stadium, right? I mean, and that, that was part of the problem, too. You know, if you, if you play point. that – yeah, thanks a lot. If you play that – because with an athletic quarterback like, like Justin Fields, it's hard to play man-to-man, right? Because then he's a run for 170 right. yards. So you got to play zone, but then if you don't contain – and that sometimes isn't always Daniel Hunter and Zadaria Smith's greatest qualities. Then he's going to run by you too. And I dancer got burnt. He got pinched in one time too. And that was another twenty some yard run for
2: just the thing the with three four. And like I said, the college football team that I follow every sat that I watch every Saturday runs a three four. And the one thing that I, if you have linebackers that can go into pass coverage, yep, then it works great.
1: Perfect. Yep. Yep.
2: And then it's then it's ideal if you've got the, kind of the hybrid guys that can. You can send in off the edge on a blitz, or you can, you know, drop him back. They can cover the slot receiver. Um, then you're probably okay. And, you know, in the case like of Daniil Hunter, that's not No, that's that, not that, who that he doesn't is. fit. No.
1: And and so I think that's gonna be one of the top priorities in the draft that they're gonna keep this defense is getting a guy like that, and they are pretty easy to find, an athletic long I mean probably more and more. Yeah. Well that's why it was a little surprising, other than they just don't think maybe he has legs anymore, that Anthony Barr was not kept because he, that's what everyone kinda of thought he should be, right? That type of guy. Well, Sidebacker, edge rusher type right. of guy. He shouldn't be, you know, trying to cover Cooper Cup, but you know, some of these tight ends or something, I think they felt like he could do are that. Are
2: there more running three four than four three these days? Or is it it's, it probably just varies? I think
1: it's still about uh I still think it's almost like a little bit over half are still running four three, but the ones that run three four, I mean, they have the personnel to do it. Mm-hmm. And it's just, and I don't think there's a perfect system at all. And like I said, I think most teams are running nickel. A three three five because everyone's wondering everyone's trying to follow the Rams now and the Chiefs and just opening up things with a bunch of wide receivers out there. When we come back, we'll switch gears. We talked a little college football with the Dakota marker game. We'll talk a little Big Ten football, a big matchup. It's gonna be on our sister station one oh one nine FM as uh it's kind of for, fighting for the top of, along with Purdue, the uh Big Ten West. The Gophers are at Illinois. 11 o'clock's the uh, kickoff over on 1019 Jack FM. The play-by-play voice, Mike Grimm, coming up here on The Fan. This is the Jack Michael Show. Derek Hanson, Brad Anderson in. Jack Michael show Derek Hansen in for Jack along with Brad Anderson it's a pleasure to have with us they play by play voice for go for athletics go for football team after a bye week it has a big game a western division big 10 conference game it's going to be on our sister station 101.9 jack fm 9 a.m. is the pregame show but a little bit after 11 is the kickoff Mike Grimm Mike Grimm how are you doing sir
0: I'm doing good, Derek. Thank you. I'm I'm trying to figure out, you know, how Jack got a radio station named after him. And then, uh, you know, you have to come and fill in for him. But hey, we're <laughs> glad to be on and um, I'm glad to be back at it after having last week off. And I'm still, despite the loss to Purdue, I'm still pretty bullish on this Gopher team. I like the way they play football.
1: Yeah, it seemed without Mo Ibrahim, they just couldn't get rolling a little. It just It was weird. They couldn't get the running game going, considering they have some pretty good tailbacks.
0: Yeah, I agree. It was, uh, and, and the line d- didn't do great. And then, you know, just the whole thing was weird. It was, it was a flat start. It was homecoming. It didn't feel like homecoming at the start. Uh, the crowd did get into it, though, as it was a late arriving crowd. Those 11 a.m. kicks are a little tricky. And then, you know, when you go through all the metal detectors and stuff, it was just, it was just a weird start. The first play was a straight handoff. That was a five-yard loss, which I haven't seen that from a Gopher team in years I mean there's been tackles for losses on handoffs but five yards all of a sudden second 15 of course you know, we don't have to go down the list of stuff <clears throat> you know missed 28 yard field goal dropped touchdown two dropped interceptions um you know uh, I-, I thought it was a borderline interference call that set up their first touchdown and um you know that doesn't mean that you know the Gophers I'm sure got away with some stuff too but you know when you throw all that stuff into the mix um, it was a disappointing loss mostly because I think um had Minnesota been able to win that game, they would really be in the capper seat right now uh, with some cushion. Uh, and now I think there's relatively no room for error. Like, you know, this weekend is monumental in terms of trying to reach your goal. I don't know if you can – I don't know if there's a great path available to the Big Ten West Championship if you lose to Illinois on Saturday because it, it's just a long deal with uh, – you already have the tiebreaker edge – uh, lost to purdue illinois seems to be factored in the west and if you lose that game you have that tiebreaker lost and then you really would have to win out probably because i don't maybe you'd get into some mix with three losses with a bunch of ties but um it, it becomes an important game this weekend for, for a variety of reasons well
1: because illinois schedule i mean on paper anyway after they defeated wisconsin and iowa if they beat minnesota they really are in the driver's seat to go to indianapolis
0: yeah, they have Michigan, which obviously will be no picnic. They'll probably lose that, but they can survive that, uh, you know, quite honestly, because two losses is probably going to be uh, – we'll probably get you to Indianapolis. Um, I think if Minnesota can survive it, make it all the way with two losses, you're probably going to make it to Indianapolis. Um, and obviously, there could be some tiebreakers there. But I agree with you. And Purdue has a, a relatively uh, light slate. And don't sleep on Wisconsin, I hate to say it, but – uh, that coaching change could have been just the energy zap that they needed, uh, you know, to inject that place with a little new uh, life. And they took care of a bad Northwestern team. And you look at their schedule, I would not be surprised if they run the table um, right up until when the Gophers go there the last weekend of the season. And if that's the case, um, then that game could be for the West Championship as well. So I think there's a number of teams still a factor. Um, and it really comes down to the fact Minnesota is going to have to beat the teams they're supposed to beat. I'm a little surprised they're a favorite this weekend on the road against a ranked team, and um, and that, that, that means that the people that follow this really closely like what Minnesota's been able to do despite the loss to Purdue. Well,
1: I also got to think it's because Iowa knocked DeVito out of the game, the quarterback for Illinois. who was making so much happen yep. for him, right? I mean, that's that's got to be a huge factor, too, because that Iowa defense is unbelievable. That was one of the ugliest football games I've ever seen, but you, you certainly saw two good defenses on display.
0: Really good defenses, and, and, you know, I I liked Illinois um, coming into the season, not to win the division, but I thought they would have a say in it. I thought they'd pull some upsets, and they've done that already. Um, and so I, I kind of took special note of how the schedule fell, I remember, in August, and thinking the Gophers might have an advantage here because they're going to be going into Champaign coming off of a bye week. Meanwhile, Illinois will have played back-to-back weeks against maybe the two most physical teams in the Big Ten, Wisconsin and Iowa, And, and I think it's showing, uh, you know, Minnesota should be relatively healthy. It sounds like Muhammad Ibrahim's ready to go. He's got the green light and, um, and, and, and Wisconsin uh, Illinois is dinged up big time. I mean, Iowa knocked out the quarterback. They knocked out the receiver. Now it could be that those guys are back, but they, it's likely that if they are, they won't be a hundred percent. And it's also likely they won't have everybody. So I think that way that schedule fell for Minnesota, uh, you know, the Gophers need to take advantage of it. And I agree with you. I'm sure that is part of why the line is where it is. And not only are they favored, but the money apparently is pouring in on Minnesota because the line, least, and I, don't, I do not bet, I promise you, um, I do not like to lose money. Um, so I, I don't do I have nothing against gambling, um, and, and I, I do like to follow point spreads, but I also like, what little money I have to keep, uh, because it would just be (laughs) handing it over. Otherwise, I don't know anything. Um, But the last I saw last night, I think I saw the spread was up to six or something, which means the money continues to come in on Minnesota, and they're trying to get some money in on Illinois. So um, it's surprising, which it probably indicates you're right, that there's some injuries there, that um, there's some of those guys that aren't going to be ready for for the uh, game on Saturday on the Illinois side.
1: When you look at what's going on with uh, you know just kind of the Big Ten in general, and it's been a criticism for quite some time, just the fact that it seems like the East is pretty heavy. We'll find out how good Penn State is against Michigan this weekend, and, and Ohio State looks to be you know a little head and shoulders above everybody except maybe Michigan. It is um, going to be interesting because a lot of these cross division r- matchups are going to be. You know, it's really not going to make the Big Ten West look all that good. But, you know, that's just how it lays out. And obviously that might change with USC and UCLA, depending on how they do this. But that's – it's really kind of a quirky thing. I'm hoping that the West can kind of keep up here.
0: Yeah, well, you know, outside of Ohio State, it's actually fairly even. Ohio State's the unicorn in this thing. Like, like let's just pretend for a minute that Ohio State is in the West um, and that they had won 10 straight Big Ten title games or whatever the number is. That's not accurate. But you know what I'm saying. Um, everyone would be saying, you know, the West is the best. It really is Ohio State is the difference maker here. I mean, Minnesota went in. Uh, everyone loved Michigan State. Minnesota went in and demolished them. I think Wisconsin will demolish them in East Lansing this weekend. Purdue went in to beat Maryland. Um, you know, I, I, the West is, is pretty defensive heavy and pretty limited offensively, so I think it gets a probably a little bit of a bad rap. I think if you remove Ohio State from that mix, um, You've got, and then this year, Michigan. Now, Michigan has not been, frankly, a great factor in the, in the uh, you know, that was their first title game appearance last year, which is remarkable. They've not been to the Rose Bowl since 2007, you know, and so that, that, that you know, they've been good but not great. Um, they're great this year, it looks like, although they struggled a little last week and, and, and even the week before they, uh, you know they they struggled against the Hawkeyes a little bit. That Iowa defense is good, so I think Ohio State is really the difference maker. And I think because there's some um, you know there's some limited offenses in the West, and there's some ugly scores because there's also some good defense. People, I think it's overstated a little. It's it's ugly football, but I don't think it's just a a, a terrible division. I mean Nebraska might be the second worst team in the West, and they went out and handled Rutgers, not handled them, but that was that was one of the uglier games ever too um on friday night so um it, it it's one of those deals i think ohio state is really the thing that makes that thing look as as maybe lopsided as it is because penn state has has been all right they were seven and five last year that's nothing to shake a stick at including a loss to iowa um you know and, and minnesota goes there next week so we'll, we'll find out a little bit more about the balance of things uh, if the gophers can take care of business in, in a really tough environment
1: Mike Grimm with us, the play by play voice of the Minnesota Golden Gophers. Derek Hansen, Brad Anderson with you. And again, uh, the Gophers taking on Illinois. 9 a.m. is the pregame show. 11 o'clock, the kickoff on our sister station, 1019 Jack FM. Uh, Tanner Morgan coming in. He's having a great uh, year. And, uh, you know, we all talk about the offensive coordinator and the quarterbacks coach, all that coming in. And certainly coming into play. He had a rough game. But boy, I felt bad for him. You know, if. if if that ball isn't dropped, or I should say, it goes right through the hands of the wide receiver for the Gophers, I forget his name, but you know that is such a difference maker in that game. I think.
0: Yeah, and you know it's funny because he was Big Ten Player of the Week the, the week before with his great game against Michigan State. He only had three incompletes, and his receivers helped him quite a bit. They they caught some balls that maybe weren't exactly on target, and I, I remember talking with PJ Fleck in the. And the coaches show the following Tuesday after that Michigan State win about how much they work on the receivers going to get the ball and if they get their hands on it to catch it. And that was the first game I can remember in a while that featured no-drop passes. You know, even in the heyday with uh, Bateman and, and Tyler Johnson, there were, you know, it, look, it's hard. It's a hard game, right? Uh, there, there's, there's 300-pound guys chasing you that are athletic as heck. Um, there's speed demons that are covering you as a receiver. Um, the ball might not exactly be on target. So I get why there might not be a hundred percent that, 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 that Michigan state game was pretty much a hundred percent. And then it was not a hundred percent against Purdue. There were not only, I mean, obviously the one you cited was huge. I mean, you're right. If the, if, if, Michael Brown Stevens makes that catch in the end zone, um, quite frankly, it probably comes down to the fact that Gophers win the game. I think, you know, uh, and, and even if, I mean, it was one of those days that a lot of stuff didn't go right. Um, I mean, the, the Gophers brought most of it upon themselves, but just weird stuff like that. Like, I'm going to say seven out of ten times that ball that flies through his hands probably just ricochets to the ground or off a shoulder pad and out the back of the end zone, and then the Gophers can try to kick a field goal and at least get three points out of it. And, uh, of course, it just lands in the lap of the defensive back uh, who had to do nothing. Um, and then and then he won Big Ten Defensive Player of the Week. I'm like, boy, you got beat by five yards on the on the in route on the uh, touchdown and uh, the ball landed in his lap, and uh, and so he got defensive player of the week in the Big Ten, which was which was um, <laughs> you know good for him. Uh, and 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 so and the, and I think uh, Dalen Wright dropped. Uh, look, it, it wasn't right in the numbers, but it was a pass a little above his helmet, um, hit him in the fingers, dropped it. But uh, Brevin Span Ford, I think, had a pass right to him. And he dropped it. Um, Mike Brown Stevens, in addition to the one that uh, you know in the end zone, I think he had another one that was a little low. That is catchable, a hard catch, but catchable, and they made all those catches at Michigan State. Consequently, uh, had no problem. And uh, for whatever reason in that Purdue game, uh, none of that stuff went right. So that has to get uh, corrected. And um, and you know, as uh, you know, I, as Christian Ponder used to say, easily correctable. And so, uh, so if uh, if uh, if they make those corrections, I like their chances this weekend uh, in champaign or Rana.
2: I just kind of just looking through some of the numbers here Mike but third down conversions even with I think there were 4 of 12 4 of 14 something like that against Purdue they're still 70% on third down they've been good in the red zone so the things that we're good with you know that that they were strong at the start just kind of all uh, didn't come together against Purdue Yeah
0: exactly and and I'm I'm sure that also is playing into those into that line that the golfers are favored because um, You know, they take those analytics, they dump those numbers into some sort of a system and they get an algorithm and a formula and a flow chart, and whatever else, you know, code word you want to use. And it spits out based on these numbers from Minnesota and based on these numbers from Illinois and based on <laughs> here's where the game is. This is how it should turn out. And so those those go for numbers, the third down numbers, the total defense numbers, the points allowed numbers, the uh, even with um You know, the thing is, they actually moved the ball all right against Purdue. I mean, I thought they controlled the second, third quarters. They just didn't score points, you know. Um, The defense was really good throughout most of that game. The opening drive, uh, they missed some tackles, and then obviously they missed the big play at the end where the guy goes for 60-plus yards, and that pretty much sealed the game. But, um, you know, it's just a little bit here and there, and and you clean it up. And, and, And the other thing, Derek, is I think you're looking at a situation where, um, the Big Ten West, you know, say what you want about it. it, it there, there's some parity there. It's a little – now, I'm not trying to say that it's the quality of play is like the NFL, not not anywhere near that. But even watching games Sunday in the NFL, there were a lot of teams that the Bears and the Vikings took turns kind of kicking the game back and forth to each other, right? I mean, they're – and I think the Big Ten West is that way. Every game is going to be a slugfest. Uh, uh, you know, there's no game on this Minnesota schedule that they can't lose. Like, there's no game you're going in and saying – you know, look, Northwestern's not very good. We know that. That's going to be in Minneapolis. So that that game, you're, you're thinking you're going to win that, right? But um, if stuff goes wrong, you could lose it. And on the flip side, there's no game on the Gopher schedule. They don't have an Ohio State and a Michigan. At Penn State, certainly going to be a hard game, but there's no game that you look and say, boy, there's no chance. And it reminds me, that's the NFL every week, right? There's no uh, – the best team can play the worst team, and there's no guarantee um, that, that – you're going to find that, you know, uh, that, that, that best team is going to win. certainly not a hundred out of a hundred times, even last night. Like, I think the Raiders are probably better than their record. Um, and in Monday night football, they probably should have won at Kansas city who might be the second or third best team in the, in all of the NFL. And has one of the great home field edges. And you had a team that was one and three coming in probably should have won the football game. And that's a little like what the big 10 West is in terms of just a parody thing. And, and, you know, if they're going to be close games and, If the Gophers can win a bunch of close games, they're going to like the results, I think, when the season
1: ends. Well, they're going to be close games because, as you mentioned, I think the biggest thing with the Big Ten West is the defenses are so good. I mean, Iowa, I mean, they fly to the ball. It's it's like nothing I've ever seen. It's just their offense looks like worse than some Pop Warner teams I've I've seen. And Illinois, man, they have some defensive linemen that are scary up front. Minnesota's played very well defensively. I, I think that's the story right now of that part of the league is that you know, it may be a little ugly sometimes, like that Thursday night football game a couple years ago, a couple weeks ago. But it is kind of the same thing that uh, you're seeing here. It's just it's all about defense. So you're going to have to grind out some last second wins.
0: Yeah, I think I think Minnesota, Iowa, and Illinois all um, are allowing ten points, maybe it's eleven points or less uh, per game, which you know defensively is pretty incredible. And Purdue. Um, after a little sluggish start defensively, they've now kind of, you know, come come up with some, uh, you know, some fine play defensively. They probably should not have won at Maryland. They turned the ball over three times and the defense bowed its neck all three times and didn't allow any points off those turnovers. Um, Purdue, I think on paper, is probably the favorite now to win the West, it looks like to me, but um, just because of how the schedule unfolds. But they turned the ball over at a, you know, like the gopher dropped two or three interceptions. They they had two interceptions and probably should have had two or three more. And I know Aiden O'Connell's really good, but um, he 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 will need to uh, protect the football a little bit better uh, moving forward if they want to end up uh, in Indianapolis as well. But I think we're in for a nice uh, a nice entertaining uh, rest of the football season here. Um, if you're a Big Ten a fan of a Big Ten West team, because I think there's still some teams. You know, it's not a one team race. Minnesota can win it. I think you you're right about Illinois. They can win it. I didn't think they would at the start of the year. I thought they'd have a say in it, but they're right in it. Particularly if they win this weekend, they're, they got to feel real good. Like you said, um, Wisconsin. We'll see. Wisconsin has Purdue, Nebraska, Iowa, and Minnesota all left. So if if they get that new life from the new coach, um, they've got a chance. I think. I, I think Iowa's offense is just too dang limited uh, to, to be a factor. Uh, frankly, uh, they, they you know they they refuse to even change quarterbacks, let alone. Coordinators, so yeah. I don't understand it. But they, um, they're just kind of. You're right, Pop Warner. It looks like uh, you know Pop Warner League. I think they had like five possessions against Illinois the other night that um, they started uh, the possession and ended the possession uh, uh, behind fewer yards, uh, negative yards uh, than where they started. So that that's that's ridiculous. It's crazy to see um, what they're doing. They're kind of wasting away one of the great defenses in college football because they cannot move the football. And you know their punter's is a great weapon, but Wow, you know, that's uh, so I don't think they're going to be in the thick of it. Um, you know, maybe they make a quarterback change, and that helps. I don't know. but um, Well, I that kid looked good against
1: Minnesota last yeah. year, didn't he? I mean, I thought he, he was the other kid that played the yeah. Gophers last year, right?
0: Yeah, Padilla, Padilla is 2-0 and as a starter last year, and they will not give him a I don't series, get it. not even a snap this year. I don't get it. Uh, and, and, I, and, you know, I know you probably have a few Nebraska fans, you know, uh, listening in up there. Um, and so I don't want to leave them out, although I do want to leave them out. You know, they, they also are one of those teams. We'll see what a coaching change, if that changes the energy, the, the vibe, the process. I do think it's a positive factor at Wisconsin. I, 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 I really do. I think that that program needed a little jolt. And like I said, I would not be surprised if they go on a little run here. I don't know if Nebraska's defense is good enough to, uh, to put them on a run. So I'm, I'm going to not put them in the in the category, although they're sitting at two and one, right? They're tied for first, so it's hard to say that they couldn't. Um, and and in the West, like I said, every week is going to be a battle. No no one's out of it. And so if they if they all of a sudden learn how to win games and make plays late, you know who knows? But I, I really think it's probably a, you know a Minnesota Purdue Illinois Wisconsin kind of a of a division, which is going to make it fun. It's going to be multiple teams that are going to be in the thick of it as the season rolls
1: on. Final thing for you, we kind of buried the lead and I am really trying to come to gra- gra- I'm trying to really come to grasp with the fact that when this game happens I'll be 59 years old. Uh the Gophers and Bama signed yeah. a home and home here September 8th at 2032, they'll be in Minneapolis. Down to Tuscaloosa in 33. I don't know if you'll be around. Maybe it'll we'll be off doing NFL type of stuff, Mike. I don't know, but uh, boy, that should be a lot of fun. Maybe Nick Saban's a uh, ghost will be uh, uh, coaching. I'm not sure. Maybe he'll still be coaching, look healthier than he ever, you know, than me at that point. But that's kind of a fun thing to get one of the top teams in the SEC to come to Minneapolis. Yeah,
0: and I'm, I'm looking forward to seeing. I, this, this was kept under wraps. Usually, these kind of things, I you know, I'll get a little whiff of. Hey, uh, we got something coming, uh, you know, cooking here or whatever, and I'm excited about it. I had no idea. I had to, someone texted me after it was announced today and said, "Hey, how about that?" And I'm like, "Wow!" So I, I don't know if it came out of the blue. Obviously, these things take a while. Um, so I'm talking a little speculative here, speculative here but I know um, Mark Coyle and the athletic director at uh, Alabama work together at Kentucky as associate athletic directors together there. So my, my and they're good friends. So my hunch is that. Um, that those two guys uh, probably work this out. That's my hunch. We'll find out. I'm sure um, I'll, I'll be interested to hear. Maybe it was the football side agreed to it, but my hunch is this is a, these are the athletic directors. That's great. I, I, I was just commenting the other day uh, with some people within the program that I, I'd accept any, um, if I were them, I'd take any SEC team that wants to play a home-and-home. Home. Now, I would have tried to schedule that baby in November. Um, you know when they come <laughs> right. up here just to put that warm weather team in the cold but um september's fine too that's when you got to play the non conference games and and look we don't know what the schedule will look like but um you know you think about it there's a chance that you could see like a uh, you know by that time depending on where we're all at you could see uh Alabama Notre Dame USC Wisconsin, Iowa all coming to uh, all coming to Huntington Bank maybe in the same year, right what a, yeah. what a home schedule that would be who knows
1: Unbelievable. you know but,
0: um, it would be it would be kind of fun uh, it will be kind of fun uh, to, to, I mean it's certainly fun to add that to and and, and you know what it also it, it, it just the fact that Alabama was willing to do it it elevates I think the image of Minnesota. Mm-hmm. Uh, that, oh, Alabama, you know, that, that, that they're worth it. You know, because Alabama's not scheduling, you know, they, they schedule their non conference game is like against, you know, Charleston Southern or something. Right. And well, they want one or two, non- you know, non conference games that they think are going to be, you know, an important win for them as they uh, battle for a playoff spot. So I think it elevates Minnesota a little bit in that way, just from a, image standpoint
1: yeah they're usually a chick-fil-a pro football stadium type of open game you know against you know yeah. just that they no you know but late so this is a kind of interesting to for them to do a home and home because i don't think a lot of teams want to do it with them either mike i'll let you go i know you yeah. got to get running sure. here i do appreciate your time as always enjoy the call saturday morning in champagne should be a pretty wild one and obviously a very pivotal game for the western division of the big 10 yes sir
0: looking forward to it always enjoy it thank you
1: Mike Grimm again with us, the play-by-play voice of the Minnesota Golden Gophers over on Jack, nine FM, our sister station. 9 a.m. is the pregame show. A little bit after 11 is the kickoff. More to come here on the Jack Michaels Show. Derek Hansen, Brad Anderson in. Derek Hansen, Brad Anderson in for Jack Michaels here on the Jack Michaels Show. Thanks so much for being with us. If you want to join us for the last segment before we head to the common man, 237-3767. You can uh, text us at 35270. And we can uh, pretty much chat about anything that's on the plate right now. A couple, a
2: of... Of, t- couple of textures after your comment or your, uh, conversation with Mike Grimm. Uh, Derek, the Illinois pass rush, very good. Yes. And kind of going back to the roughing the passer debate, uh, neither Bruce Smith, Lawrence Taylor, nor Reggie White could play in the NFL now with the rules, as weak as they are. Kevin situation. Green? Yeah. Um,
1: Chris, Dolman Chris Dolman would was be a now. little iffy on that. Especially because Chris Dolman used to like to whip them to the ground. Remember, that? I mean, he used mm-hmm. to like grab them and he could he could just literally throw them to the ground. So you can't throw the quarterback to the ground anymore. So that's not good. So where do you go from there? Um, yeah, there's a few others I'm trying to think of. Charles Haley was probably one of the best pass rushers Be of our one. time, right? Yeah. Yeah,
2: it would be a little tough for them. They have to change their game a little bit. Uh, the uh, divisional series are underway. In fact, the Phillies and the Braves are on right now. Two uh, one Philadelphia. They're going to the top of the third there, and then later this afternoon, Mariners and the Astros. And I think I think we talked about this last week. In fact, I know we did. The Mariners might be your uh, that might be your team that uh, America can latch on to.
1: Well, because they're playing the Astros for one. So or the that,
2: Guardians because they're playing the Yankees yeah. tonight. No, I think. I think
1: outside of uh you know New York and of course the handful of people around the country are Yankees fans and uh, much of southern Texas I think m- most of the country is pulling for a Guardians Mariners ALCS. I don't think there's any doubt. What is that going to happen? I don't know. But I think we could we could live with cuz Cleveland's another team where if they finally got the banner up, I'd be happy for the city, right? I mean that, that and I like Terry Francona. I like the fact that they have their starting pitchers pitch into the eighth inning. They play baseball. They don't play whatever you know it is that uh, Rocco in the game. Whatever
2: to play. we're doing now, yeah, Major yeah, League baseball. exactly. Yeah. They, they they hit and run. They steal bases. They do they do baseball the way that we remember. Yes. So, uh, Cleveland's an easy team to pull for,
1: even though they're in the division. But yeah, so I don't care about that.
2: National League. Um, you know the Phillies Who's are the likable
1: cat in there? Because it. I don't know for Chris Coast. I guess I'm happy for your Phillies, the Braves, but for the city,
2: the Braves yeah. still likable.
1: Well, I think they're not as unlikable as the late '90s when we got sick of them, right? But yeah, I think I don't I, think we're at that stage. No, I, I think we're the non freddie Freeman Braves are still somewhat likable. I guess which, I would say so. I'm yeah. But the Dodgers and Padres are kind of unlikable Well, because the Padres, I guess, they're likable in the sense, but they've kind of gone the way of trying to buy a, a championship, right?
2: Oh, there's no doubt about it. Yeah. You, you, there is definitely definitely some star power in that team, um, but yeah, that, that whether that makes you likable or not, eh, that's pretty debatable. Yeah, that's not very likable, I would say. Yeah, that because of that, that's tough. Just and just some of the people they have on that squad too. I don't know if they're mm-hmm. real. You, you you can really get behind them. That's fair. So that's what we're sitting at because I
1: would say the the likable and unlikable certainly favors the unlikable teams that are left you know, within the major league i'm Baseball.
2: curious to see if the padres can because you know the dodgers have owned them pretty well yes and they've owned everybody in the or the national league west but i'm curious to see if you know in a short series you know is the lineup good enough is i think starting rotation they can probably hold i don't know if the bullpen um you know i think the dodgers have the edge in the bullpen and with me doing morning
1: sports, I will not be catching any of no, those games. Uh, so that that's I'll, I'll update you. Then I, I, I did the not. Uh, I did not uh, get up for much of the old uh, Monday night football game. When I last left the Monday night football game, I think it was twenty to ten. Does that sound about right? And yeah, that sounds about and, right. And then the uh, I, I was as surprised that Patrick Mahomes came back in that game as I was the sun getting up in the east this morning. <laughs> I mean, honest, because he's just one of those guys now, right? Where you're, you're putting him in that category you, if he has the ball in the last few minutes of the game the, you feel good about Luke. i will
2: say the, the throw the car made to adams going over the top like he did which got it to 30 to 29 was mm-hmm. a terrific throw and i said i wasn't sure if the raiders were going to be able to come back because i mean the chiefs got rolling and once that snowball got down the hill he just didn't know if they were going to be able to respond and here they were right there at the end and a couple of non-calls that the that the raiders didn't get at the end certainly um Certainly, I may have played a factor in that as well.
1: It was a rough weekend for the NFL officials. I mean, probably more than most. Uh, it was just kind of one of those things. I do feel bad for the officials, like you said. I think they have this point of emphasis, and you know, and the NFL wants them to do that, so they might be overcorrecting. And that's the problem when you have these meetings, because you're just going to have to call what you see. And that's tough.
2: I think you got to give it another week or two, and then maybe that's it, it seems to always settle down, Balance, and then something, yep. something riles it up over time. You have volleyball tonight. Yes, uh, Hankinson at Maple River in Tower City. Looking forward to that. But we'll get going probably around 7.05 to 7.15 for the pre-match report.
1: All right, see you again tomorrow. Jack Michael's show, 7 for the Fan.
0: Bumper to bumper. And you ask great questions. Right? I'm not surprised by that. But it, I mean, on a lot of these shows, the questions are just like, what? What are you Like, are you dumb? Bumper to bumper with Dan Barrero. Weekdays, 3 to 6.30 p.m. on 740 The Fan and 740TheFan.com.